Um, welcome again, everybody. Glad to see y'all. Glad to hear you. I, one of my favorite things to do when we're singing is to stop singing and just listen um, to our diverse voices giving praise to the God that made us all. Um, wow. The fact that we get to sing that together, and that's why we're here. It's a joy. Um, the sermon that I'm going to share today could probably take 10 seconds. Um, that's true of some sermons, uh, that, that it's such an easy idea to understand in our heads, but something that takes 10 seconds to share, uh, for me to share, that we would all nod our heads to and say, oh yeah, yep, I get it, um, is still one of the most difficult things to take seriously and apply to our lives. I can guarantee it. Um, we're talking about taking time to rest. So do that, okay? Bye. <laughs> it's like there's a sermon. Um, but particularly the, the way that the, the Bible talks about it, that um, refers to rest as the Sabbath. So what is that? Um, some of y'all might be coming back to church after a uh, hiatus. Um, I've been there too, and you're like, oh, Sabbath, for real? This is just going to be another smack of the Bible in the head? No. This is, this is an invitation into something good. It's a scheduled rest. It's a predictable pattern of rhythm away from the grind of our work, which is also good, but it's, it's making room for God to fill himself in our lives. That sounds really nice. The rhythm of unplugging from the grind and sharing space with God. I like that. Do you too? Amen. Okay. Bye. Just kidding. There's more. Um, we often find ourselves out of sync with that rhythm, particularly us busy Americans. So check this out. Um, at least 134 countries have laws setting the maximum length of work that someone can do in a week. Um, the U.S. does not. We have overtime. You just get paid more. <laughs> you get rewarded for working more. Um, Americans uh, work 137 hours more than Japanese workers, 260 hours more per year than British workers, and 499 more hours per week than French workers. We work a lot. We do. We don't even realize it. But on top of the temptation that we have to live overly busy lives, we also have bills to pay. So we kind of need to work, right? There is this pressure uh, even with the necessity of work, to trust ourselves with our own lives. The Jewish people today still practice Sabbath rest um, every Saturday, much like they did all the way since the beginning. When I was in Israel this past October, I got to see how seriously they take their rest time. Uh, it was a bit of a, sh a culture shock, but I like culture shock. Um, yeah, this is a picture of me and Alec. So, Alec, I, you probably didn't show up thinking that you'd be in a bathrobe up on screen, but you are. Um, so, none of you are at risk of that happening. I just know Alec really well, okay? Um, plus, this photo has been all over the internet. It went viral. I mean, people just love it. I mean, look at those guys, those handsome dudes. Especially you, Alec. What are you doing in that photo? <laughs> So let me give you some context that won't make it any better that I'm showing you this. But we had just gotten to our hotel finally after traveling from here all the way to there. And we fell trapped to the tourist thing because we were a little slap happy because of the journey. 
And we are like, you know what, let's do. Let's go down to, because they had these robes in every one of your, our rooms. We're like, this is the fanciest thing I've ever, I've ever put on my body. Um, <laughs> awkward phrases. Uh, but we put them on and we're like, let's go to dinner in our robes and then just make everybody laugh. And I know, it's a bad idea, right? You're in a country you've never been to before with a culture you don't know that well. But we decided to get onto the elevator to go down. And who gets onto, so we're at the seventh floor. We get down to the fifth floor. Ding, it opens up. And who comes onto the elevator? Yehuda. He is our tour guide. <laughs> he's an awesome, kind, and kind of terrifying individual. He's, he's great. But the last person that you want to see is two silly American boys uh, trying to do this silly thing. Uh, so he looks at us, literally not even the a hint of lift of the sides of his mouth, goes, what are you doing? <laughs> we're, like, we're like, well, we're going to go. I think I did all the talking. Why did I do the talking? Um, that always gets us into trouble. I'm like, well, we're, we thought, you know, it'd be fun to just go down in our, uh, our robes because they have these in the rooms. Did you know that? It's like, you must change. You may not do that. <laughs> so like no smiles. He got onto the elevator. We got off. And then we had to go back and change our clothes, which is completely fine. But that same elevator, a couple days later, uh, on the Sabbath day, uh, in this uh, context, in the Jewish context, you're not, it's considered work to even push the button on an elevator. That's, a, that's how, I know it's kind of funny to us, right? But, but that's, how, that's how serious, you left at that and not the rope thing? Um, that's how serious that they take their rest time. So in the one hand, you're like, oh, that's a little weird. Not more weird than doing what we did, but still, it's, it's like, they take their rest. And we have, our spiritual roots are in that culture. They take their rest that seriously. At a different time, we were up on a fortress on a mountain called Masada. Um, I have rocks from there, if you'd like to see a rock that looks like any other rock that's from there. Um, it's a long, really long hike up, switchbacks, and the only way to get down at the time that we were up there anyways, was to take a tram back down to the parking lot. So we're there on a Friday. Sabbath starts at like 4 or 5 o'clock. We're getting close to that. We happened to be up there at that time, uh, at the very top of this 1,500-foot mountain. We lost track of time um, because our tour guide, you know, he's pretty awesome. Uh, But we had to hurry up from one side of this fortress on the top of the mountain all the way to get to the tram. And it's probably like three, 400 yards. Um... And so our, our tour guide, Yehuda, same guy, <laughs> is like, no smiles. I think I, I cracked him eventually. He did laugh. I will tell you more offstage about how, what, what I did to make him laugh. But um, we had to, all 50 of us are running over to try and get this last tram because the Sabbath is about to happen. The thing where you can't touch a button. And they have workers there of Jewish uh, descent or Jewish religion that are about ready to not touch that button for any reason. And so we're feeling this pressure going all the way over to this place. And so like about half of our group stuffs into that tram and I get, I get to my turn to go through that little like metal thing. You know what I'm talking about? The metal thing. And like, it stopped on me. Um, I was the last person to not make it on that tram that was happening like two minutes before Sabbath time. So I'm like, I guess we're going to sleep up here, (laughs) which would have been cool to me. But you could feel the tension in in the air that they took their rest so seriously. We were putting them in a difficult, we honestly were. We were putting them in a difficult 
position to have to break Sabbath in order to help work for them to work by helping us get down to the bottom of this mountain. I tell you all that to say that this is a group rooted in our scriptures that takes this rest so, so seriously. And I can't portray necessarily the feeling that I felt in that moment because I'm, I'm the guy in the front. I'm the first one to blame. <laughs> I'm right there. It's like, where were you guys? Over there. Okay, why? Um, it's, yeah, we'll just move on from that one. Um, I have literally paused in here because I get anxious thinking about it. But I'm not suggesting that we need to, to view our rest time, our Sabbath time, our time with God the same way or that it needs to, to feel legalistic or even that the day or time needs to happen in a certain way. But I do think we could do well to take our rest more seriously and for reasons that I'm going to unfold here because this morning I want to get to the heart of what Sabbath is. Why? Why did God bake this thing into the creation story into the universe, and what goes wrong without it? I think you can probably already name some of those things. What, what happens to you when you're too tired to be a nice person? <laughs> well, you're a mean person, I guess. That's me. There's a lot at stake in this conversation, and I think you already know that. You know that because maybe you are really tired from life today. Any, anybody there today? Or maybe you, wish, maybe you wish that you weren't as tired, I'm sure. Is there a solution to the exhaustion that we can have when we take all of life and put it on our shoulders? I believe that there is. Let's explore. Let me pray, and then we're going to take a tour of what God's Word says about the rhythm of rest. Uh, Lord, thank you that you chose to make yourself known to us that it is your desire that we, your very good creations, would come to know you. That you started with one person and then you expanded out to this group of people and inside of a room that only one person could visit per year. And then you broke out so that we could all find ourselves coming into your presence again, which I know we've already felt here today. So, Uh, Be with us, Lord, as we consider this. I pray that light bulbs will go off in people's heads about places in their life that they can rest with you. Amen. So let's, uh, like I said, I'm going to just do a little tour of some scriptures uh, throughout the whole narrative of the Bible that talks about this idea that God created rest and he created it for us. Um, Genesis 1, uh, as we talked about a few weeks ago, describes the work of God creating the universe. Days 1 through 3, God does the work of forming these large areas, these large spheres of creation. And on days 4 through 6, he does the work of filling those areas with good things for flourishing. Human beings came on that sixth day, and we were the pinnacle of God's creation, that he made us very good, very special to him. Let's read again what God did on the seventh day. In Genesis chapter 2, it says, uh, verse 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had created the work he had done, had finished the work he had been doing, so that the seventh day he rested from all his work. Does God really need to rest? 
Does the all-powerful creator of the universe need to take a break? These are questions I ask on a daily basis. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The seventh day, God created the Sabbath rest. On that day, God formed an empty space and he filled it with his relational presence for us to enjoy. God filled the space on this seventh day that would be a rhythm that he would design into the fabric of life for us to spend with him. In Genesis 2, we, we zoom into an intimate relationship that God has with his creation, especially the human beings in a garden that he had planted. What does that filling of that space look like with God? Genesis 2 is a great example of that. Walking with God in a garden is the picture that we're given. And we're told from there that Adam, God took Adam, this first human, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So part of being a creation of God, a human being, is that he also made us to be, be fruitful, to, be, to multiply, to work, to have purposes in our life. Which I think is really interesting, because work doesn't always feel like that, does it? <laughs> it doesn't always feel like a blessing. There's parts of work and toil that have been affected by sin, but at its core, God created us to be creators, to be innovative people, to be people that cultivate things. He created us to take good care of things which is what Adam was doing. Even before sin entered the picture, God gave us an assignment to find meaning in our work and to tend to the garden to which he places us. So work as a whole is a good thing. I just want to say that before I get into what I really want to talk about today. It was important to God, though, to put something in place from the beginning for us human beings to remember that our work does not define us. Because God didn't want to create robots to work in a garden for a paycheck. He created human beings in order that we might share relational space with God. That's the story of the whole Bible. It's God wanting us to share space with him. Where human space and God space become one. So our longing for rest, if you're tired in here today, if your back hurts, if your head hurts, if you are just feeling the weight of life, our longing points for rest, points to the need for God. It's kind of like inseparable. It's like we were created with, uh, you've heard maybe the, like the God-shaped hole. It's like we have a God-shaped hole inside of every, every one of us. Have you ever heard that phrase before? I love this quote by Blaise Pascal. Now, I'm going to sound real smart quoting a Renaissance per, a Christian philosopher here, but uh, he says this, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is an empty print and trace? This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. 
Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object, the God-shaped whole in us, in other words, with God himself. What does it take to rest? What does it take to have a healthy rhythm of rest in your life? See, I've struggled with that because I always felt like it was just for the people that were disciplined enough to organize their life well. And there's, there's pieces of that that might be true. It, it takes sacrifice and focus to have a good rhythm of rest in your life. And we have some very great reasons for avoiding resting in God. But it, rest isn't just about being more disciplined with your time. It's not about you being a, a better person. Sabbath is about recognizing the poverty of your soul. It's about recognizing the God-shaped hole inside of you that nothing else can fill in our dependence on God for everything. God takes his own invitation to rest. He demonstrated that rest for us at creation. He didn't need to take it. He created it for our own good so that we could enjoy it with him. So God himself models it for us on day seven and he takes his own rest so seriously that day he created for us that he commanded the Israelites as they came out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery out of seven day a week non-stop whip cracking work God takes them out and gives them this reminder this blessing in Exodus 31 then the Lord said to Moses say to the Israelites you must observe my Sabbaths This will be a sign between you and me for the generations to come so that you may know I am the Lord who makes you holy. You heard the emphasis on my voice. You may, God calls it my Sabbath. He wants you to know him. He's drawing you in. And it would seem that if we don't have that intentional pause... That God is saying we won't really know him. And there is. There's daily, weekly, annual rhythms. I'm not even going to try and break all that down for you. Because you might even have a better system than I do right now. The general point I'm trying to make here though is that God himself, the director of the universe, chose to stop. And he set this rhythm for us. This hole inside of us, this God-shaped hole. And he gave them these words, our spiritual ancestors, because they needed a reminder that he desires to spend relational time with them. We're invited to God's rest at creation, our spiritual ancestors at the Exodus. We're invited back to what God referred to as my Sabbath because they had steered off base and were living in the promised land. And God says this in uh, Isaiah 30, verse 15, as his people were were wandering so far off of God's rest, he says this to them, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. 
in quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. What does it mean to be close to God? It means a lot of things, but it seems like the starting place is surrender. Surrender to what? A big list that you have to keep, otherwise he's not going to love you anymore? No, it seems like it's a surrender to an invitation. It's in repentance and arrest. It's turning your face to the smiling face of God in quietness and trust as your strength. Taking time to rest and focusing that attention somehow Godward is an act of faith. That's why it sort of feels like work too. But it's not. Make sense? (laughs) Taking time to rest with God is an act of faith that you trust and love God above all things in your life, including your work. It's an act of trust. So spending time with God is resting. And I do have to confess, it's, it's difficult sometimes as a, as a pastor. I, I, just like you, can uh, anchor my identity to what I do. And sometimes it is difficult to set boundaries or to know exactly how, how does this work? How does it work for me to spend time with God for just me and God's sake? At different times in my life, different things have worked and kids change all that too. But it's an act of trust, even if you don't feel the effects of resting with God to start over time. If we live into the rhythm of always recognizing there is something that needs to be filled back up. And it's not just head knowledge. It's relational presence with your creator. God's people were prone to forget. And we too, as God's people of today, are prone to forget too. And even though he still offers rest and repentance, he still offers that invitation We are prone to forget, and sometimes we want none of it. The bills are due. The debt is still there. The demands of your work are still calling for you. Your kids are still young and difficult. (laughs) It's hard, isn't it? It's actually hard to surrender yourself to God's invitation because something has to be sacrificed. Something has to be given up in faith. And I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of every pieces of our story because I know everybody's got a different situation here. But it's God's invitation and Jesus affirms it too, not so that we can be burdened by it, that, oh my gosh, I... I have to rest. I used to think it was a curse as a kid because I'm like, I want to be able to work at the golf course on Sunday. Now I'm like, dang, (laughs) I wish I had not had to work at the golf course on Sundays. Jesus reminds us that this rhythm of working and resting is a God-given gift. In Mark chapter 2, he says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. It's for our good that God created rest. Yes, we need to be productive. We get the joy of being creators in this, wor- in this world. But it's kind of useless if we've forgotten about God. What does it mean to rest? Simply put, it means to get to know God better. It means sharing relational space with God in some way that's intentional. It's not a a box to check off. Sabbath rest is about acknowledging that we need God every second of every day, that nothing else in life will fill us with the goodness and flourishing in the way that only God can. He wants to be known by you. I'm not a big list person. I'm learning to try to be in ways that would be helpful for parts of my life. Um, But here's some ways that I think I want to suggest to you as your pastor that would be good ways of getting to know who God is and therefore getting to know you Definitely reading his word. Create space to practice hearing of who God is and the story he's written and therefore who you are by spending time with God in the Bible. If you need a Bible, we got four of them sitting over there and you can take one home with you. It will not be time wasted. All scripture is God-breathed. It changes you. Find a space to breathe. Be still and know that I'm God, Scripture says. Um, this word I'm going to use is harsh, but force yourself to sing. Even if you feel too tired, it has a reviving effect on your soul. If you, at some point in your day, say, today I'm going to, I'm going to put on, depends on the song, but I'm going to put on a song that talks about God and I'm going to sing it. That will have that Sabbath rejuvenating effect in your life. Serve other people in some way. If, it, if, it, if you find that it helps draw you closer to God in some way, then that is a certain kind of rest. You can't just serve all the time, but resting doesn't have to just be Netflix. In fact, the point I'm trying to make today is that we fill our time that should be God-directed with things that just don't help. Is Netflix bad? Not entirely. But will that fill the God-sized gap? No. It has to be intentionally directed. The last thing I would say is to find find a way to play. God wants you to come back to the garden. Something that helps you feel like a kid again. Because life is full of a billion things that want to distract you from resting in God and remembering who he is and remembering who you are and healing within that space too. It's going to take an act of surrender. Jesus' invitation is to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So my question to you today, I think actually gets at more what's going to help you find rest, is what do you need to surrender to God today? Resting is an act of faith. It's a kind of, here's my Pentecostal roots, but it's a, it's a kind of defiance in the face of the devil that wants to keep you too busy and dependent on yourself to be with God. Resting in God, trusting God in the space, the invitation to be with him is much more than just recreational time. It's a return to the place that he created us for. He created man on the sixth day. What did we do on the seventh? Invitation to be with God. He invited us to spend time with him on day one of our lives. Maybe some of you here need to surrender yourself back to God. And just know you're surrendering yourself to something good. This was created for you, not you for it. Because what resting in God sort of feels like is a a surrender for God to do the good things that he wants to. I looked up what rest meant in the Hebrew in the early, in the Genesis that we're talking about today, rest. And the first definition there was repose. It's a return. We're going to repose the song that we played before I came up here in my song. We're going to sing a song to end today. And and during the song, I want to give you invitation. Some of you may need to put your feet into action And Lindsay, one of our pastoral elders, and myself, we're going to each be at this table. If you need to just come up and have somebody pray for you, if you need to have somebody hear you surrender, we're here to help you do that. We're not here to shame you. We're here to hopefully help you see and enter into the fact that God really wants to be known by you. He created you with that God-shaped hole, and the invitation today is to let him fill it. If you're exhausted today, the thing that we, you need, that we all need, is God. It's his presence. So that's my invitation to you today. It's a 10-second sermon. Would you rest with God today? Take him at his word. He really wants to know you. He really wants you to know him. And the only way to do that is to spend time with him. Let's pray. Um, Lord, we have made room for you today. And we only have to make room because you've given us the option of denying you. Your, your presence and glory is seen throughout the whole universe. But we have a choice. 
we have a choice to say yes to your invitation to find rest in you, to find fulfillment in you, to find to find what we've been looking for, what us weary wanderers in this world have been looking for. So, Lord, I surrender today. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers for everybody in here, but we surrender because we believe that you so deeply want us to know you and to not just know the knowledge of you, but to know your presence. And with your presence comes healing. With your presence comes wholeness and restoration and beauty and everything that was in the garden at the start you want for us to have again. I pray in this moment, Lord, if there's anybody that needs to just surrender, and they can name the thing if they want, Lord, but just to turn to you, to say, I need you. So do whatever you want with my heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.